This is the Wealth and Law Podcast, although ordinarily this is a podcast about all sorts of topics under the sun that relates to wealth and how it intersects with the law. In this month of July 2022, we're focusing on basic estate planning. This is the estate planning boot camp series. So welcome if that's what you were intending to find, and if not, welcome anyways, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson, and this is the Estate Planning Boot Camp. This is your first installment, so if you're just joining us for this, congratulations. If that was your intent, if your intent was not to join us for this, then I guess it's not congratulations, and you kind of were in the wrong place, but you're welcome anyways. We're going to go through, uh, via a series of episodes, this being the first of the series, to try to explain, at least at a basic level, um, various elements of estate planning. And perhaps the best way to start that little journey of ours is to begin with the the players, to kind of understand who are the different people in different roles in estate planning. Because I think once you wrap your mind around those different roles, then it helps set the stage for understanding the various documents that can come into play in a typical estate plan. So to talk about that and much more is Rachel Sass. Rachel, thanks for joining me. Hello. Thanks for having me, Brent. Yeah. Well, uh, I thought that we would talk about a couple of different roles here and maybe we just take them in turn unless you tell me, no, that's a dumb idea. But I thought maybe start by explaining what is a trustee, then explaining what is an executor or in some places like our state of Arizona, they call it a personal representative, and then talk about what is an agent and then talk about guardians. You know, people are always guardians in, in the sense of like your kids. Everybody's like, who's going to take care of my kids? And uh, I don't have the heart to tell those people, well, you'll be dead. You won't care at that point. So we got to talk about guardians. Um, so why don't we go in that order? Let, let's start with uh, trustees. What What is a trustee, first of all, and what do they do? Yeah, yeah. So trustees, um, let's see. So if you've got a basic estate plan, and by that I mean you are creating a revocable living trust, you're going to have, you know, your your pour over will, you've got um, uh, powers of attorney documents. So your, your trustee, that's going to be your fiduciary that's on your trust. So this is going to be like your main player, in, in my opinion. So this is the person who uh, is going to be controlling all of the trust assets. So whatever you've decided to fund the trust with. Typically for our clients, if we're doing just a revocable living trust, um, and again, we're talking about just like a basic estate plan, then um, that's going to be the actual client. So if we've got spouses, you know, we've got, say, a husband and wife, they're typically going to be the trustees during their lifetime. They're the ones who are going to be controlling the property during their lifetime. So just like as me as an individual today, I own my property. If I am trustee of the Rachel Sass Revocable Trust, I still control and, and own that property and manage the property. Where we really see the clients getting um, asking the questions is when, of course, when they pass away or when they are incapacitated. And that's when your successor trustees are going to step into your shoes and manage the property for you. So it's really a person who is is good with finances, we always say, because they're going to be managing all your property, all your accounts, all of that good stuff. Um, and it's the person who, you know, should should know you pretty well so that they, they would know how to how you would like all of your assets to be managed for you. Yeah, no, I think you really hit that on the head. It's, it, first of all, the trustee deals with trust property, but they don't deal with 
any other property. It's only trust property. And then the trustee gets to manage that trust property. And like you're saying, you know, if you created the Rachel Sass revocable trust, you'd be your first trustee. And then if for some strange reason when you couldn't do it, either during life or because you passed away, you wanted me to be the trustee, then I would step into your shoes. But again, my authority would be the same as yours. I would only be able to handle the trust property. And that's the trustee's role. That's what they do. And they sort of stay within that, within the confines of that role, so to speak. What about then an executor? Because I have clients who get really confused about an executor and sometimes say, well, who's the executor of my trust? And I have to explain no one because that's not a trust thing. So, so what is that? Yes. That one, we get that question all the time. So the executor or the personal representative, and if you're in Arizona, that's the individual who is going to be managing all of your estate assets when you have passed away. So you're not dealing with any of this anymore. Sorry to say you're gone. Um, your executor, they are going to step into your shoes and they are going to figure out what all the assets are that are, you know, out, out basically that consists of your estate. So if you have a trust, these are assets that are outside of your trust. Um, it could be any assets. If you intentionally left them outside of your trust, accidentally left them outside of your trust. So these could be bank accounts. This could be your house. It could be all sorts of assets still. And this is the person, um, if they, if your estate has to go through the probate process, then they are formally uh, appointed by the court as the personal representative or the executor of your estate, which means they now have to account to the court to let the court know what all of your estate assets are. They'll create an inventory of it, and they're the ones who are going to make sure that any of those estate assets, they are going to be distributed according to your will. So if your will says this goes to this person, this goes to that person, they are the ones who are in charge of doing that. Or if your will, again, we're talking about this basic estate plan. If you have the pour over will where we want everything to go into your trust and then your trustee takes care of everything, then your executor is going to be the person that makes sure that any estate assets go into the trust. So go to the trustee. Typically, we see the executor and the trustee being one and the same person. They don't have to be. That's not a you know hard and fast rule. But just to make things easy, we usually see that person fulfilling both of those roles. Yeah, and totally, totally fine. You know, it's totally fine. As some people, when I tell them that, clients will say, well, isn't that a conflict of interest? I'm like, well, not really. If it's a, it's a pour over will, like you were saying, which is a will that just says, take my estate assets and put it in my trust. There's no conflict because everything's going into the trust anyways. The Maybe one of the confusing things sometimes for some of my clients is understanding this concept of like what actually counts as the estate. So you mentioned it could be anything like a, a bank account or real estate, etc. But it's really things that you owned when you died in your own individual name, not something where there's a beneficiary designated on that asset or where it's like a joint asset. And so sometimes people will buy property, for example, like real estate, for example, as joint tenants with right of survivorship. Well, with right of survivorship means when one of the owners dies, the remaining owners just succeed to the ownership of the property. That's not part of the estate. Or if you have a joint account with somebody, when, when one owner dies, the other account owner owns all of the account. That's not part of the estate. So it's only things only in your name and that don't pass on to somebody automatically when you die. 
just by the way that it's titled, either jointly or because you've got a beneficiary that's not your estate that's named on the asset. So sometimes, sometimes people get a little bit confused by that. So when you start thinking about like the whole world that we're talking about, you've got the trust assets, not the estate. You've got these kind of joint assets or beneficiary designation assets, probably not the estate unless the estate is the beneficiary that's named on the designation. So everything in the middle, that's the estate. And that's all the executor and all the will covers. doesn't cover anything else. So there's a little nuance to this, and I, I don't want to freak anybody out, but it's that the concept of the estate expands while you're alive, and that is the purview of your agent, unlike a financial power of attorney. Sometimes they're called durable powers of attorney or durable general powers of attorney, but basically it's a power of attorney for, for financial matters. So can you explain what is an agent and what is it that they're supposed to be doing? Yep. So the agents, these are people who are going to be acting during your lifetime. So there's kind of that distinction where we had the executor. Sorry again, you passed away. You're done at this point. Agent, you're still kicking. So they're going to be the ones who are helping you out while you're still alive. But they are going to be stepping into your shoes uh, because for some reason you are unable to manage the property for yourself. This could be because we've seen some clients have a financial power of attorney because they go overseas. And they're going to spend the whole entire summer in Europe. Oh, that's so lovely. And so they have an agent back home in the United States who are going to be managing their property for them we see that. The more typical thing that we see, though, is that your agent's going to be stepping into your shoes if you ever become incapacitated. This is infamously described by the Britney Spears conservatorship. Um, and so your agent um, is going to be uh, the, the person who steps into your shoes, manages your property. Unlike the Britney Spears conservatorship, though, we actually had a conservator, you actually set up your documents ahead of time so you were prepared. So you actually were able to pick the person that you wanted to manage your assets for you. So during your lifetime, they would be able to have all of the authority that is delineated in the uh, financial power of attorney document, that, that general durable power of attorney. So pretty much they're going to have all the rights that you would have to deal with all your property. So again, if this is dealing with bank accounts, they can go to the bank, they could write checks for you, they could deposit money. If you have real estate, they could sell your house. So again, this is the person that you want to be able to trust, and it's the person who uh, you want to have uh, good experience and, and uh, can trust them in dealing with all your financial matters. Definitely. You definitely want to pick somebody that you trust. They uh, Now, they're, from the perspective of the agent, then, unless the power of attorney is very narrow in the way that it's written, they are in charge of everything that is not inside the trust, okay? So that's beyond just this estate like we were talking about with the will and when you die. It's beyond that. It includes the joint assets. It includes the assets that have a beneficiary named on them. The agent steps into your shoes on all of that property except for the trust property. So the agent doesn't have the authority to manage the trust. That's the trustee. That All of the trust stuff stays in that in that box, but everything outside of that, then the agent handles. And that's during your lifetime. Once you die, what happens? When you die, you've got that executor who's going to be kicking in then. That's right. So the, the agent's job is done and they have nothing to do. And there are weird uh, old legal reasons why that's the case. But just trust us when we say when, when you die, the agent and your power of attorney, that 
terminates, it no longer applies. And then, like Rachel's saying, the executor steps in for any estate assets, and then the joint owners step in on any of these joint assets or the beneficiary designated on a beneficiary designation for some asset like a retirement account, like an IRA. They step in for those assets. So it's sort of that the, during your lifetime, this agent has this broad authority over your non-trust property. But once you die, that authority in a sense, gets divided up depending on the type of asset it is. And then that authority goes to either the executor for these estate assets where it goes to the joint owners or the beneficiaries designated on the asset. So what about healthcare decisions? Because sometimes people say, well, I, I need a, they'll say either a, an agent for healthcare or they'll say like a healthcare proxy. What is that person? Yep. And how is that different? Yeah, so that's the person, maybe, maybe the same person that handles, you know, the, maybe your agent on your financial matters, maybe, you know, same person on your trustee executor. But this is the person who's going to be making all of the medical decisions for you when you are unable to communicate those decisions for yourself. So this is an extremely important role. Um, and again, we really always stress to our clients, this is only when you are unable to communicate the decisions for yourself. So if you are, for example, in a coma and you cannot speak anymore, then your agent on your healthcare power of attorney, they're going to be the ones that step in and let the doctors know what, what your wishes would have been. Um, so it's a great idea to really have a deep conversation with this individual to let them know what all your wishes are. Typically, when you have a healthcare power of attorney, you include a living will that kind of gives them some instructions so they're not entirely guessing on what your wishes are. Um, but again, this is the person who can be making a lot of end of life decisions for you. So a very, very important role. Yeah, they have bro usually have broad authority to make healthcare decisions for you. And then you might narrow down that authority for very specific end of life decisions in that living will. And yeah, you definitely want to pick somebody that you trust. Because you're not going to be able to step in. When they're activated, you're you're inactivated, basically, physically. All right, what about the guardian then? We, we kind of tease that. So if you have, say, minor kids or kids who uh, are themselves, say, disabled or unable to take care of themselves, what, what is the guardian? Yeah, so another really important role, um, we typically see this designated in Arizona in the wills. And so in that document, you will say who you want to take care of your children when, again, you are unable to do so. So basically when, when, when you've passed away. And so this happens when the will is going to be probated then it lists who your guardians are going to be. And this is, again, so that, you know, we, we have this default plan. Arizona law has a nice default plan for you, but you are not going off that default plan. You are picking the individual or individuals who are going to become the guardians for your children. And that's the person who's going to be making basically all the parental decisions that you as a parent can make today for your children. So they're, again, stepping into your shoes. So really important because you got to think, who do you want to raise your children for you if you are unable to do so yourself? So really think this one through. Yeah, just like everything else, you you won't be there after the fact. And uh, you can pick if you want. But Arizona, like basically every other state, uh, they have a default list. So if you don't pick during your lifetime, the default list kicks in. If you don't trust your state legislatures to write the correct list, then you should 
make that selection on your own. Every state's a little bit different on how you make that selection. So you kind of, you really have to work with somebody in your state who knows uh, the law in that state. But uh, commonly, those people are appointed in a will, or they may even be appointed in a power of attorney based on the state law. So just follow your state law and, and get those designations right. Well, that that was a lot in a very short amount of time. So just to recap for anybody, the trustee, they manage only the trust property, your executor or personal representative, they manage only your estate property after you die, your financial power of attorney or agent under your financial power of attorney, they handle all of your non-trust property, estate or otherwise, while you're alive, and then that terminates when you die, your Healthcare agent handles your healthcare decisions when you can't make those. And then guardians for your kids basically step into your shoes and, and they, in essence, have the power of a parent, uh, when you can't be that parent or your spouse or their other, you know, the other parent, uh, can't be that parent. Well, Rachel, I thank you very much for joining me. That was a lot and very well done. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. A pleasure as usual. Hey, listeners, thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at Wealth and Law. I'll see you there.